0: To happened? Jackie's so radiant. Uh, there we go. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Maddie Taus. I get to be the lead pastor here at the King Station, and I get to lead us into um, a kind of an initiative and a movement that we want to make as a church family today. Today, we start off uh, a series of what I'm going to call uncomfortable conversations because we're going to talk about something over the next few weeks, in fact, over the next couple of months that I think makes most of us feel uncomfortable, especially when we have to talk about it in public, especially when we have to talk about it in church, because what we're going to do, what we're going to bring a focus into over the next couple of months is the topic of money. And really what I want you to do today is, all I want you to do today is to understand why we're going to do it. What we're going to talk about is the need for us to talk about it. Because one of the things that is usually expected at the Epiphany Station is for us to do the unexpected. And so we're going to do what might seem quite uncomfortable and what might seem quite contrary to how church usually handles the conversation about money. We're going to talk about it boldly. We're going to talk about my money. We're going to talk about your money. We're going to talk about our money and what it means for us to use it to love God and love people. And so as we start this conversation today and we talk about money, I know what some of you are already thinking this is going to be followed up by, and we need your money. Like Manny's already kind of handling himself in his gold-plated jet. And this is just kind of like an introduction to that. I mean, it does look fancy, don't get me wrong. But I just want to emphasize that is not the reason that we're going to be doing that this fall. It's not the reason. I think, in fact, what we're seeking to do is we're seeking to walk through this thing that we're calling Momentum. And Momentum is this big initiative, big movement In fact, trying to understand the importance of money when we call ourselves the church, when we say we want to follow Jesus. And so today, we get to talk about why we're going to talk about talking about money. We're going to talk about money honestly, simply, because it's important. And you know it's important. This isn't new to you. We put super spiritual eyeballs and say money's not really important, but it actually is. Money's an important thing. God says it's an important thing. On money, emphatically emphatically and indefatigably. The church has always been in that position of trying to talk about it well, sometimes doing a good job, sometimes failing miserably. But God's message to his people talks about money some 800 times. 800 times it brings up money, resources, wealth, debt, generosity, giving, everything you can consider. And so, all we're seeking to do today, all we want to try and accomplish. Is to try and understand why God talks about it so much. And all I'm really asking for is for you to trust us that as we move through this, this is not for the jet. This is not for anything about Epiphany Station. This is, in fact, something we want to do for your good. And so, momentum is built on scripture, it's built on the mentality and belief that what God actually wants us to do is to move closer to Him. And so, we seek to align our hearts more with God's over time. And so our core text for this teaching series is going to be just a little slice of Jesus' teaching on the subject. It's going to be a small chunk that I think summarizes well what we're going to try and do as we have these seemingly uncomfortable conversations. Our core text for this series is Luke 12, verse 34. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. One of the very quick mistakes that we can make when we talk about money in the church is, we can think we're talking about money. When in fact, when we talk about money, as we talk about anything, when we open up God's Word together, is what we're talking about is connecting our hearts to God and our love for Him. Money is in fact not a money issue. Money is a spiritual issue. It's something that shows us what we really care for, what we love, and what we're excited about. It's about whether we're loving God loving people with our money or not. And so through this series, all we seek to understand is how to make the most out of money toward the ends that God would have us do it. And so, let's start off by crushing a couple of lies that we feel like we might have heard, even portrayed and perpetrated by the church when it comes to money, some of the things that can get our backs up about this conversation. I know! That's how I feel! <laughs> One of the first lies that we can take as a given when it comes to God and money is believing that money is actually God's love language. Like, if we're really tight with God, like we're doing what He tells us to do, then obviously He's going to pull money in our direction. We get this idea that if I just do what I'm told, that it's payday at the Jesus ATM. Now the problem with this belief, this very thinly veiled lie about money is, It's thin, it's thin and it's fragile because if you even scope out the Bible, just quickly and briefly, you start to see that God is actually not so much about money as we might think. In fact, His love language centers around a lot more than just giving us wealth. It actually says in fact that in Proverbs 28.6, you know what, it would be better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. Really saying that, you know, God actually would desire us to walk with him, be closer to him, and be just in absolute destitution than be a wealthy person who is walking away. Now, as we put that kind of lie to death that, you know, if we're doing it right, God will give you lots of money. It can actually lead us towards believing another big lie about God and money. And that is that people who have it, they must be dishonest. They must be evil, and they are probably ungodly people if they've got money, because the lie that we believe is that money is evil. And if money is evil, and people have money, well, then do the math. They're obviously evil people. But again, this lie doesn't hold up to Scriptures, and holds what God tries to communicate. In fact, in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, Not that money is evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Really what God tries to communicate is, is to him about how much you have. You can be really wealthy and yes, be incredibly dishonest and crave money so much that it has shifted your heart from him. You can also be really poor and crave so much money and crave it needed that it's turned away from God. We can fail in any degree. What it's really about is when your heart is turned towards will tell you what is actually healthy or unhealthy about you on your money. Because it is not how much you have in the account or your back pocket. What really sours the relationship between us and God and money is if we crave money more than Him. If we feel like we need money more than we need Him to just be okay. And so, if money isn't God's love language, and money isn't evil, then what is it? As much as we might entertain it, money is actually neutral. Money is amoral. It doesn't have a motive. Money is just a thing. One of the best ways I've heard it described is money is just like a brick. Money is like a brick because a brick is just a thing. And whoever owns that brick can use it to do whatever they want. Agreed. A brick can be used. You can use a brick and you can make one of those cool little skate ramps for your kids to go over and then they fall over and then you video it for AFV and make lots of money, you can use a brick for that. You could build a fire pit for people to go to gather around and warm themselves. You could use it to build a house or an orphanage or a hospital or a school. You could also use a brick to smash someone in the head. You could also use a brick to throw it through a window because in the end, a brick is just a brick. And money, it's just money. And so a cold-hearted, mean person will use their money how a cold-hearted, mean person will, for their own pleasure, for their own power, or even just to bring the downfall of another person. Whereas a warm-hearted, loving person will use money the same way they would try and use a brick, to love people, to care for them, to show that they're valuable. Money in itself is never going to be the thing, the reason that we use it a certain way. It'll be the heart. Money is powerful and it is important because it can accentuate where the heart is already turned. Money can allow us to do great good and unbelievable unspeakable evil. Money can actually bring people closer together and cement relationships, and as you well know, it can tear them apart. Money can bring such freedom and life and joy to people, and money can bring seemingly insurmountable pain and slavery. It is all related to the heart direction that people are already steering in before their money comes in. And so, when we talk about money over the next couple of months, be it earning, providing, saving, investing, spending, giving, the big question will always be, where is your heart inclined? Because if it's not in the right direction, more money won't do you more good, in fact it will do you more harm. Because if your money is pointed away from God, more money will cycle you and spiral you and give you momentum, further away from him, but if it is pointing to him, the desires of his heart to love God and love people, more money can actually lead you closer to him, because Jesus said where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be, and I will add where the desires of your heart are, that's where your money's going to go, and so the thing that's most important at the core of this is where do I want my heart to be? What do I want to move closer to or away from? Because I can tell you right now, anything God is going to do with you, with your money, his sole goal is to move your heart closer to his. Because he seems to believe, and I, I seem to believe him when he says, it would be better for me if I was Paul and moving closer than rich and moving away. So we need to lose, we need to not lose sight of this, this genuine belief that we have that money can help us bring better change into our lives. And so we want to gain this momentum, but to do that, to shift, to change, to do something different, you know it's not gonna happen on its own. Nothing good happens on its own. Good marriages don't happen by accident. Well-raised children tend not to be a fluke. A good and healthy church takes a lot of investment and sacrifice from people that make it so. And so a healthy financial situation is the same. All of it needs a plan. All of it needs management. And money needs management. Money needs management. When we talk about management in the church, management of anything, we have this word that we use. It basically means to take everything God has given and to use it the way that best glorifies Him. We call this word stewardship. To be a good steward, to be a good manager. And one of the uh, books of the Bible known as Proverbs, the book of wisdom, probably the most wise book that has ever been written in the history of mankind speaks plainly and boldly as to how, when we speak about money, it is necessary that we have this plan, that we have this management. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says this, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. I don't think any of us would say that we want to be slack, kind of in any approach to life. We certainly don't want to say that we want to live in poverty. And so if we're going to do anything as we steer our hearts closer towards God, it's going to take diligence. It's going to take a plan. What I want to do, if you'll help me out with this, is I want to show you, like visually I want to show you, kind of what the current approach to money is in the world that we live And I'm going to call this the very slack approach. Based on statistics across the United States of America, I want to show you some things.
1: The first is...
0: There's 59% of people, that's everyone you've ever known, 59% of them, the majority, have no budget. A budget is something that actually tells you where you're going to put your money, like what you're going to do with it. So, 59% of people, the money comes in and then when it goes out, there was never a plan for it in the first place. Now, would you guys be willing to help me with this? Would all of you on this side of the room stand up? And if you're a little one, you can stand up in your chair and jump down. you can down. If you can't stand, don't worry about it. And the first three rows here, you guys, you can stand up. There you go, okay. Thank you, you guys are doing great. Get comfortable. Uh, this <laughs> represents 59% of people. 59%, the majority of people, no budget, no plan for their money. Now, everyone in the middle, all you guys talk about David, I can't see you from the stand up. You know, everyone in the middle here, perfect, thank you very much. This represents about 69% of the room, and 69% of people can't deal with an emergency. They couldn't deal with something, if a curveball came at them up to the stomach of about $1,000, that would wreck them. Like if it something tragic, or something unforeseen or costly, they would have to have someone else bail them out, or they wouldn't be able to deal with the emergency. Now the next thing is that 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck. Now everyone on this side, just those of you in the green chairs. If you're sitting in a black chair, you're the winners in this round, you can stay seated. And if you're in a green chair, you can stand by me, 78% of people, four-fifths of all people in the United States of America live paycheck to paycheck. That means they are tied to that check. If that check doesn't come in, the whole thing falls apart. They find themselves tied and slaved immediately needing it, and it becomes that constant stressor upon them. Now, all of you can go ahead and sit down. Thank you very much for doing that. Well, that's done, on top of that, the average consumer debt for an individual in the United States of America is $34,055. Now consumer debt is those that don't accrue you any money, they're not making, it's not an investment, it's just something that you want to consume, so you buy it, so we all have about $34,000. Now, if this was an average attendance, which I think is a little bit more this morning than normal, at a Sunday morning worship experience at epiphany, we have an average of 115 adults. Now as you do the math, I'm just gonna do it in my head here, just kind of off the cuff, that would be something like $3,950,580. That's how much debt there is in the room, right here. Nearly $4 million of debt. Now, you think to yourself, this is a lot of bad news. Right, it's a lot of bad news, and I know you don't come to church for bad news, but here it is. It's a bad news situation, because a lot of what we've been raised with, trained with, and taught, is to have a slack attitude towards money. Here's the good news. We don't have to. The good news is we don't have to keep doing what we've always been doing. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to feel enslaved to debt and enslaved to our money and the paycheck. We don't have to ha- keep having the same old fight again and again and again in our marriages. We don't have to go to bed with the stress of wondering and worrying about money. In fact, we can have something that most people in the world never will. One last little statistic will show off for you here. First three rows again in the middle. You guys stand up with me, get your work out today. Count it as your exercise, you're good. These people here, Andy Gray, these people here, they represent 11% of the room. 11% of people self-report that they are happy with their money. 11% say they're content that they're excited that they have financial peace. And this 11%, although it's very good, this is our problem. Because this is not what God wants for His entire church. He doesn't want 11% of people to be enjoying money. Would all of you stand up for me please if you can. This is God's goal for His church. His goal for His church is that not one of us will be slaved to something that isn't Him. That we will be pulled down and drawn down by this thing called money. That would just take him to be something that will always be a problem. God's goal is for 100% of us. To experience financial peace, contentment and excitement for the future. You guys can go ahead and sit down. I won't do it to you again, I promise. We're done. (laughs) That's the goal. That I know to be God's goal. And therefore, that is the goal of Epiphany station. We have been working over the last year, working with uh, an organization called Dave Ramsey Solutions to work out how best to lead as many of you as we can into financial peace to make, financial peace happen. Not to keep talking about it, not to tell you to give us more money, you'll be doing great, but instead to serve you so you can do money God's way. And so this plan we put in place, this plan we're kicking off today. We kick off with this conversation and then there's a two-pronged approach over the next two months. The first is through a training course called Financial Peace University. This training course is very much the do's and don'ts, the the meat and potatoes of what it means to do money God's way. It's a nine-week training course. The first one on the first night starts on September 15th. They basically play out on the night of having a video teaching from Dave Ramsey Solutions, which is the leading church stewardship ministry in in the world. And we host everything here. It's all followed up with a discussion from some leaders and people who've been through it so they can support and encourage you in it. And what we've done, to give you the best chance possible to make financial peace happen, is this time through we've actually planned nine consecutive simultaneous sessions running per week. So every time for one of the teachings there'll be nine opportunities for someone to be able to make it to them. And so if you're a Monday night person and you miss one, you can always pick up one of the others. Also, what we wanted to provide for three of our workshops is childcare, free child care, so that those who would otherwise not be able to make it can. All of this so people can make financial things happen. And now the other piece of this is that we've worked with them so that we can actually bring down the cost of this because this training costs, costs $89. That's everything that goes for the licensing and the workbooks and everything. It usually costs $129. But we brought it down to $89 by investing it into this. And so that gives the people the opportunity to access it when they otherwise wouldn't be. Now, here's the other piece of this, because I'm gonna be honest with you, telling you to save money and do good with your money and then pay some money for something seems kind of better. So here is our promise to you from a station. This is how much we want this for you. If you sign up for one of these classes, you write a check for $89 and you go to all nine, as an incentive for going to all nine sessions, we won't cash the check. We will hold on to it for nine weeks, and if you go to all nine, we'll tear it up. And we will cover the cost for you to go through this because we believe it will do you good. Because we believe it will change your family. Because we believe it will change and accentuate your ability to love God and love people. Now, while this training course is going on, we'll also be walking through a teaching series that goes alongside it called Momentum. Momentum is much more of the why behind the do. It is going to be conversations about really what it means to love God with our money and how all these practices and principles lay into a heart turned towards him. And so we'll have these conversations so that we can reaffirm this habit of doing things differently. Because the call to every single one of us, they're very difficult. The uncomfortable struggle is actually to make financial peace happen. To take the step to fill the goal that God has for you and your money. And this is not just because there's a problem with money in America. This is not because I found some great statistics and I want you all to stand up and sit down. No. That was not why we're doing this. It's not so a station can make anything off this because we're not. It is for you. And it is for your marriage and it is for your family and it is for your friends and it is for the people you know who need this. And so if you know someone who needs this or you know that you do, we want to make it as easy as possible for you to go through it. If at any point you desire to be a part of financial peace, then you can do that in a couple of ways and get hooked up. The easiest is to go to our welcome station, straight out of these doors to the left, and someone can talk to you and get you all signed up there. But also, we're gonna be handing you a small business card with information on it that you can use for yourself or you can hand to the person to help them get hooked up with it. As we go through this, as we talk about money in church, we're not naive, there's gonna be people that have an issue with that. And so if you ever feel like you have an issue and you wanna actually see it dealt with and talked about, We want you to talk to us. If you see something that we're doing that's not right or you have an issue with it, you can email momentum at epiphanystation.com and we'll get in touch with you because we believe this is good, because we believe this will be good for you. Doesn't matter if it's your first time at Epiphany, we want this for you. Doesn't matter if you've been through FPU before, we want this for you. And you can actually add to the conversation and help people understand what it means to be the practice. It doesn't matter if there's someone who would never step foot in a 50 station in a million years, but you think that they could use this. We want that for them. Because the thing that Jesus wants most, more than anything, is a heart that is turned more and more toward him. And he has already said that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus seeks to give us a right view toward the right use of money to love God and love people better. And so we will boldly walk into this, unashamed and unapologetically, so we as a church family and you as an individual can gain momentum toward what is right, to gain momentum to making the most you know out of us. Now, as we wrap up this conversation here, we're going to have an opportunity to sing as the music team comes on. And as we do talk about money, kind have of a lot of these next weeks, that can kind of bring some things up. And so, as always, we're going to have our prayer team down front, because they are here to be able to pray with you for whatever's going on in your life. Are any steps in your spiritual journey that you might want to make or take? And so they'll be here during the last song and at the end of the experience. But as we go through this momentum thing together, I hope that you truly understand that it's a desire to serve you where all this comes out of our heart to actually have a healthy church family that understands God and understands. God. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, I thank you that you, you tell us everything. That you seek to help us understand everything. The big things, the little things, the spiritual things, the practical things, and how they all play part in loving you. And so God, I ask that you would help us uh, kind of get off the defensive when it comes to money and culturally as we deal with money, that we would be willing just even to talk about it more, that even if this just brings the fruit of a couple talking about money more and themselves, that this would bring them closer to you because of it. And so God, I ask today that we wouldn't be able to leave without feeling inclined towards understanding, asking the question of what can we be doing to show you and declare our love for you to the world. We ask you to give us this and drive us towards this. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.